we're going to look at the topic of association of churches. As we look at the state of the church today, churches have different priorities. Some churches exist to do business. Some churches exist for social care, that is to take care of the elderly and the weak people in the society. Others exist for the purpose of worship, in quotes. Well, there are some churches that are committed to faithful preaching of God's word, to pastoral care, to evangelism, to worshiping God in the way he has prescribed, using the means of grace that he has provided. And so, as churches have different priorities, there's a distinct danger among churches that they can become isolated. There's a danger of church revolving around its own members, its own locality. There's a danger of the church focusing on its own growth, on its own health, on its own needs, on its own facilities, and missing the bigger mark, the bigger picture. The focus may be too much on their independence. Yes, the church should run independently with Christ as the head of the church. But as much as we ought to be independent, we are not supposed to be isolated. We ought to have a meaningful interaction with other fellowships. Sadly, many churches exist in isolation. It's important for the church to be committed to biblical worship, sound doctrine, observing the Lord's Day. But the church also should seek to be in association with other like-minded churches. And so association, as we begin, is not so much about the locality of the church. It's everything to do with doctrine and truth. The first thing I'd like us to establish is the biblical basis for church association. Are we commanded anywhere from scripture to be in association with other churches? Do we see examples from scripture that God wants us to work in association with other churches? And the first point under the biblical basis is, is the early church example. The example in the early church. And I'll call you to turn to Acts chapter... 11 we're going to see an example in the early church Acts chapter 11 we've already looked at this during the um, evening Bible study So in Acts chapter 11, those persecution in Jerusalem and Christians scatter. They, they, they scatter all over because of persecution. And it says verse 19, someone can read verse 19 of Acts 11. as 
Ethiopia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. So there's this persecution that happened after Stephen was thrown to death. And he says, these Christians travel as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And, and uh, notice verse 27. He says, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there will be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, we know that Antioch was, um, was the first place where what happened? What happened in Antioch? <laughs> yes, Christians were called Christians, but um, th- there was something unique again about Antioch. The followers of Christ were called Christians, right? Uh, but if you remember, Antioch was was the was the region for Gentiles. It was where it was the first church for the Gentiles, you could say that. And it was the first town where the Gentile church was planted. And um, the place was known for business. It was a breeding ground for all sorts of immorality. It was an evil place. And so the church was planted after the persecution of Stephen when Christians scattered. They went to Antioch and the church was, uh, the church began. So in verse 27 there, there are prophets coming from Jerusalem to Antioch. And this man, Agabus, has the gift of prophecy and he foretells a great famine. And notice how the church in Antioch reacts to this news. Verse 29, the church in Antioch, say, uh, the Bible says, So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea and they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul so they come together to support the brethren in Jerusalem they are committed to send relief and support for the brethren in crisis you see for this to happen there's there must be some sort of relationship some sort of association between the church in Antioch and the church in Jerusalem. So it says that the gifts were sent according to his ability. Every man maximized his gift. If someone had more gifts, he gave more. If if, If they had little, they gave very little. But it says they gave in proportion to what God had supplied to them. And then verse 30 says, and they did so, sending to it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So they did not merely send the gifts, but what did they also send? They sent their best, their best men. 
Barnabas and Saul. They, they send these two apostles to take the gifts. And not merely that, we will see, we'll see in verse 13 that Barnabas and Paul were a source of encouragement to the church there in Jerusalem. And this is an example that is worth emulating as a church, considering that this is a, the church in Antioch was a young church, probably just like us. But notice how sacrificial they were. They gave each according to their gift. So we see here there's a commitment within the membership beyond their locality, beyond their membership. The church here shows the church here shows practical association with the church in Jerusalem. And so they were determined to to send their money, to send their provision. And also to send their best men. So it's as if they are telling the church in Jerusalem, we're expressing our fellowship with you by sending this delegation to, to encourage you. If you look at chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 25, Acts chapter 12, verse 25, it says and Barnabas and, Paul, uh, sorry, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. So it was not merely a visit. It says there, they completed their service. They went to the church in Jerusalem to serve the saints there. So there was a commitment to send these men to help the church. You see, there's an input of counsel. There's a sort of relationship between these two churches. And if you look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 to 9, this further illustrates the relationship between these two churches. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 to 9. Someone can read that. Galatians 2, 7 to 9. So Paul is talking here about his setting apart that uh, he was called to go to preach to the uncircumcised. And here he shows us the relationship really. He says uh, when James, Cephas and John and here in chapter 12 verse 25 says they came back with John whose other name was Mark. So there's a kind of relationship between these two churches. There's a kind of counsel and input that goes in as these 
churches are partnering for the work of the gospel. So it's a two-way association between these two churches. Even though they are distant apart, they are working together for the gospel of Christ. And so this involves practical help, preaching, encouragement, counsel. This is not isolation as a church. It's not a complete independence. And you see the church in Antioch is committed to this model. It receives the benefits for the cause of Christ and that as well this relationship is mutual. It's not merely receiving but it's also giving. Something else I'd like us to see is, is in chapter 15. Chapter 15 of Acts. You remember the Jerusalem Council well a great controversy arose about salvation, uh, whether Gentiles who are uncircumcised could be circumcised, uh, sorry, could be saved. In Acts chapter 15, verse 2, someone can read that. So there is a great controversy that arises whether uncircumcised Gentiles could be saved. And you see the church in Antioch sending who? Sending Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem to consult on this issue. Notice also in the same chapter, in verse 22, chapter 15, verse 22, it says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the old church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. So they are sent back after the decision is made, and the letter says, the brothers, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greet, and, sorry, and Cilicia, greetings. So, notice that this letter is not addressed only to the church in Antioch, but also to the Christians where in Syria, to the Christians where in, Cilic in Cilicia. So there's an aspect of relationship, interdependence among these churches. So they come together to discuss the matter. They agree on the policy and they send back the resolution to the churches. So this is a meaningful association because we see that it continues. And so we ask ourselves Apart from the early church, are we able to see in the New Testament epistles? The second thing there is an example in the New Testament letters. I'd like us to look at Gal Galatians chapter 1 verse 2. So the first biblical basis is the early church. The second biblical basis is the New Testament epistles. So 
Galatians chapter 1 verse 2 someone can read that Galatians chapter 1 verse 2 Galatians chapter 1 verse 2 Warn the brothers and the church the churches of Galatia to the churches of Galatia then read verse 22 again of the same chapter And Judea there represents the towns of Judah, Samaria and Galilee. So notice first of all Paul is writing the letter to the Galatians, but it's not merely one church, it's many churches. If these churches were not working together, he would not have written to the old churches. But the very fact that these churches work together is a testament that there's a kind of relationship there's a kind of association among these churches and then secondly we can look at colossians chapter 4 colossians chapter 4 verse from verse 12 to 16 colossians chapter 4 verse 12 to 16 someone can read that Thank you. So notice what he says in verse 16 there Paul says that after the Colossians oh sorry after the church in Colossae reads this letter what should they do they should give to the church in Laodicea to to read this letter and the church in Colossae should take the letter also from Laodicea which he has written to them and read the letter to them again to the church in Colossae So this echoes the aspect of association that these churches had a working relationship these churches knew each other these churches uh, the relationship went beyond a just meeting it was very practical and uh We also see the example in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 of the letters written to the seven churches. And there's a working relationship between these churches. These churches are not in isolation. They are interconnected. And when Paul writes a letter to them, like for example to the Colossians, he requests the letter to be read to the Laodiceans. And so the church is comprised of one body. 
with Christ as his head. The church is local in one aspect, it is universal in another aspect. Secondly, I like us to see the, the goal or the purpose of association among churches. What's the aim? Why should we seek association with other churches? The first thing is for the advancement of God's kingdom. The first reason why we should seek association with other churches is for the advancement of God's kingdom. You see, churches do not function independently. And if you want to know why we don't function independently, if we have a problem here, it will affect other churches which we relate to, for example. If churches, for example, start teaching false doctrine, it will affect people also in other churches. So churches are interconnected. God has designed that his work should be done through a local church. And the work of the local church is to reach the world with the message of God. The church is called to fulfill the purposes of God here on earth. And so if we are committed to association with other churches for the advancement of God's kingdom, then we will pull our resources together. We will seek counsel from one another. So associations among churches can be extremely valuable and can be strong and unbreakable. And that facilitates really the advancement of God's kingdom. Secondly, the purpose of association among churches, another aim is mutual accountability to each other. Another reason is mutual accountability to each other. And this majorly regards to doctrine and practice. When you seek to have an association with another church, you're agreeing to participate in the matters of controversy if they arise. That is to say that if we are receiving preachers from other churches to preach in our pulpit, we are affirming that they are legitimate. We are commending them. And when they come, there's an aspect that we are agreeing, that we agree with their doctrine, that we are one with them, that we are united with them in doctrine. So this helps in sharpening one another as iron sharpen irons. When you have association of churches, like-minded churches, I mean, people are able to, to pull in all the ideas and the thoughts and, and the church is sharpened and the church um, becomes more equipped. When one member moves from one church to another, it's easier for them to settle in another church, possibly because the structures are not very much different. The teachings are similar. Both churches uphold the purity of God's word. And also, we're able to be of mutual help to one another by preventing false teachers and false heresies. 
because of an because of an association we're able to protect one another because if we have someone come here and possibly brother Kaura and I knew them if we are not in association with their church we are not able to know whether they are in right standing with their church but if we are in association we are in, in a working relationship with the with their church we're able to know whether they they're in good standing with their church and so mutual accountability helps and so inter-church relationships are vital in that sense if controversy arises for example if we have strife and division here and the church becomes divided when when you're in association in another church they are able to come in and help solve the dispute and so that's how we retain accountability among churches but notice also that there must be autonomy there must be independence other churches cannot impose their will on another church other churches will only come in when the church here requests for their help for example in matters of um, controversy or division and then thirdly is to show practical care to other brethren the purpose of association is to show practical care to other brethren in God's providence there is no single church that is sufficient one church may be blessed with material resources another church may have an abundance of laborers another church may have leadership experience and so because we don't have everything it means we need one another to show practical care to one another to provide counsel in difficult situations and so a church may send able men from their midst to go and strengthen other churches in preaching in evangelizing and being a ministry to them if 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 a pastor in another like-minded church is caught up in a sin and is supposed to step down another church may come in to help the church there so there is there should be practical um support for one another another church may have resources to train men for ministry another church may have financial strength and and as a church here we we have benefited even the seats that we are sitting on even the tent we've been supported by another church so so sharing mini, uh, sharing ministers when there is need in the pulpit if one church has a building uh, sorry has a building they can rent it out to another church or they can just allow the other church to use it for worship and so this fosters um, unity and working good working relationship among these churches if you turn to second corinthians chapter 8 
like us to see an example of practical support there. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one to four. Someone can read that. So, we see here that the churches in Macedonia gave out of their poverty. I notice that it's not a church. Macedonia is a large region and there are churches, and these churches committed to do what? To support Paul in a practical way. So they came together, they saw a need to bring a gift, and they agreed to do what? To gather their gift and to send someone to take the gift to to Paul. So this does not happen casually or by chance. There must be a sort of a formal commitment, a meaningful association. And then fourthly, another purpose is to promote love, unity, and humility among the brethren. Another purpose which we should seek association is to promote love, unity, humility among brethren. I'll read our confession, London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 26, paragraph 14. The confession says, As each church and all the members of it are bound to pray continually for the good and prosperity of all the churches of Christ in all places and upon all occasions to father everyone within the bounds of their places and callings, in the exercise of their gifts and graces, so the churches, when planted by the providence of God, so as they may enjoy opportunity and advantage for it, then listen, ought to hold communion among themselves for their peace, increase of love, and mutual edification. So another purpose here, very clearly, the confession says, is for the purpose of peace, for the increase of love, and mutual edification. So there should be a formal association. Let me ask, why do you think we should have a formal association among churches? Why can't it be just informal? Keep one another humble. Yeah, that's what I say. 
No nails. That's a good answer. Why can't it be just yes? Oh, informal. Anyone? True. You, you can think of if if marriage was informal, um, people just come and live together. There's nothing formal. You see, they, they, there'll be no commitments. Uh, if 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 the wife decides to to desert their husband, there's never any commitment in the first place. And so, a formal kind of. Um, Association is important. It doesn't mean that we can't work with churches that we are not in association with. We, sh we should work with them. But the goal is, as we work with them, we, we are striving towards what? A, a formal association. Yeah. Thanks for that. So, association promotes unity. They promote love in the congregation. In times of conflict, in times of false teaching, in times of sin, another church may come in and help you uh, during uh, those difficult times and so as a church also we should seek to be of good to other churches we are in association with it's through association with other churches that we have a greater capacity to extend our love our unity it's through association with other churches that we share our gifts for the mutual edification of one another. It could be someone has a gift of teaching and another church needs that person and we can send them to go help fill the pulpit. So there's an expression of commonality, of faith, of interest, even as we serve the Lord. It promotes love. So for instance, if we have a, the setting apart of pastors in our midst, for example, the church here will invite other pastors from other like-minded church, churches. Why? To show unity. For those churches, it shows that they affirm what we are doing. They are in agreement with us. So there should be unity among like-minded churches but that unity does not violate the autonomy of one church that's why when we have a pastor from another church for instance we have my creed we have pastor murungi or we have uh, molimu keith we, we invite them to to bring us the word of god uh, turn to first thessalonians chapter two uh, chapter two First Thessalonians chapter two, verse seventeen to twenty. Someone can read that. First 
looking at, we endeavor the more eagerly and with great desire. Yeah, thank you. So we see here a kind of association every church desires. There's a special bond between Paul the Apostle and the church in Thessalonica. Obviously, we don't know the reason why Satan hindered him from going there. But Paul shows immense love. He loved being around the saints there in Thessalonica. They did not tolerate each other. They wanted to be around each other. Paul says there, we endeavor the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. So there's a special kind of love and unity. Even though Paul was not part of the church in, Thess in Thessalonica, so Paul valued this kind of relationship uh, among the saints. He was very cautious with the relationship he had with brethren from different churches, so much that if there was anything that arose to jeopardize this relationship, we see over and over Paul trying to proactively address the matter so that the relationship was not destroyed. Whenever wanted whenever uh, there was need to rebuke Paul was very clear in his letters to rebuke so there's an importance really of associations to the work of God and then the aspect of humility how, how do you think humility is enhanced when we are part of an association How do you think humility is enhanced when we are part of an association? <coughs> what happens when we are interdependent? We depend on one another. It it removes the the competitive spirit. It removes the idea that we are competing with other churches. In fact, when we are in an association, we see each other as friends. It removes any sort of uh, competition. Also being part of an association is really acknowledging that you're in need of one another you're humble enough to say I need you I need this other church we need to work together we are acknowledging that we're not sufficient as a church we can listen to advice from other churches we are submitting ourselves to one another so that when someone comes and says we think this decision you made as a church was not biblical you have to be humble enough to see it uh, 
whether it's 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 more their view is more biblical than yours and so we should seek as a church to become part of other churches other associations um it's important to have a formal association where we can invest in one another where there will be obligation there will be agreement you see informal association really it, it does not work there is no faithfulness you can imagine if we set out to do a church plant somewhere and then another church which is reformed decides to plant a church in the same area you see you see the importance of association if you're in association you'll agree amongst your association that we sh- as a, as an association we should plant a church in this and that place but when we do not when we're not in a, an association there's that spirit of competition and and you you could you could find that reform churches they're investing to plant a church in the same area in the same region instead of distributing the resources so and lastly the the third thing i like us to see is what is our responsibility towards churches we are in association with what is our responsibility to other churches we are in association with? the first thing obviously we are not in an association yet but in the future our responsibility will be to be informed of these churches to know these churches and the aspect of knowing helps us to pray with understanding we need to know what is happening in our sister churches we need to call them maybe to look up in their church website maybe to request that they send their newsletter and then secondly we need to pray for the churches we are in association with the second responsibility to, we have is to pray and our confession begins chapter 26 paragraph 14 it reads as each church and all members of it are bound to pray continually for the good and prosperity of all the churches of Christ you see that's the responsibility for us as a church to pray for the universal church universal church and also the churches that we are in association with So as we pray for the universal church obviously there are obligations that are universal but the goal really is to pray for the churches that we are in association with because the universal church not every church is a true church um not every church do we agree with even though we can have even believers in 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 armenian circles 
you see it's difficult to pray for them because we we are not in a working relationship truth divides us so prayer is a way that ties the bonds of believers of churches and these bonds are strengthened so we pray for one another and this and our prayers extend beyond our membership our locality so we need to humble ourselves before God we pray that his kingdom they come we pray for the pastors of other churches we pray for the pastors laboring for the cause of Christ and then third, third responsibility we have is promoting the good of other true churches the third responsibility we have is to promote the good of other true churches our confession says as each church and all members of it are bound continually sorry are bound to pray continually for the good and prosperity of all the churches of Christ so we seek to promote the good of other churches it could be visiting them it could be supporting them uh, in whatever way we can it could be speaking well of other true churches you see and this is important when we speak well of other churches we're putting off rivalry we're putting off dissension even churches which we have doctrinal differences we ought to speak well of them and so in association we participate in mutual fellowship prayer worship together at all times if any of you is in a town where we know of a like-minded church we'll advise you to worship in that church Uh, anything you like to ask or comment about uh, church the association of the churches That's a good question. He's asking, how should we relate to churches that we don't agree doctrinally, and maybe they are in our locality? Anyone like to respond to that? Churches that we don't agree with. How should we relate to them? What should be our relationship? Anyone? Yes, William. The church should be in proportion 
the things you agree on, especially putting the um, the most important things first, like going to God and salvation, yeah. and then going down to uh, when there are really small issues. Mm. Anything you like to say or to answer on that? Churches that we are not in agreement with, there's a sense in which we can be in relation or association with them as far as the primary issues of the church are concerned. Yeah. But, uh, and, 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 and so, if we are in agreement about the primary issues, mm. the doctrine of God, the way people are saved, mm. who Christ is. Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, the, uh, the the place of the church, and, and such things, mm. then we can be in relation and, and association with them. Mm. But if we find ourselves being in a huge difference regarding these core doctrines of the church, mm. then unfortunately we, we can't we can't be in association. With them. Okay. I, I think our aim should be to try as much as we can to be in association with churches that believe in Christ but then uh, the unfortunate reality is that we are not going to be in association with all of them yeah. and so you, you'll find if you read church history you'll find Baptists and Presbyterians having had very good relations and association and where they differ they, are, they, they clearly meet up and, and say we differ on this point, we differ on this point. Um, but then there, there is a certain sense in which there are certain limits uh, to how much we can relate to churches and unfortunately th there's a lot of difference in today's church as compared to the church in the early, early years. Uh, so you find there are many denominations today, and there was 500 years ago. Uh, and so there are things that are actively hindering the association of churches. 
what we have, what we have to do is to seek like-minded churches and then try as much as we can to be in association. Yeah. Thank you. Let me ask also if if you were asked to go and preach in a charismatic church, um, will you go? Um, what will be your response? What do you think you will do? In a place where you know the worship is not right, people are speaking in tongues, there's a lot of drama and all sorts of things. some do ask you for the sermon first mm. then they scrutinize it then you know mm. in such cases I don't think it's it's wise mm. but if if they just invite you to preach and you are the one responsible of uh, God's word what you want to proclaim and that's a very good opportunity because you'll be bringing them God's word as it ought to be brought Although, again, in some sense, you have to endure True. being in a very awkward place. Worship not right, you know, how the church is being conducted not right. That one is probably you have to endure that. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's, as Carol was saying, there's a limit to an association, really. And I believe it's a, it's a case by case because there was a time I was. I was called to preach in a closing day sort of ceremony or something. And uh, I went there at 9 a.m. prepared to, to preach. Um, there was no preaching until 3 p.m. And then at 3 p.m., the, the principal and Anuliza um, plan to preach for how long? And I said maybe 20, 30 minutes because people were tired. They can't even listen. They can't even concentrate. And people are konanja. So 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 they so, so I tell I tell I tell her I'll preach about 20 to 30 minutes. And even no 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 shorten to around five minutes. Just a short sermonette. You can imagine People cannot even listen. Is it such a case when you're invited again, do you think you'll go? Surely not. Because your, your day is wasted and the opportunity is not even... Probably, if you go, you'll have to give them conditions uh, that you desire to preach at nine. Early enough, when people are still fresh in their minds, they can hear the gospel. Yeah, so I guess it's a case by case. Um, as, as Simon is saying, in some cases, you'll have to endure. Um... Yeah, but, but I, I guess it's, it needs a lot of wisdom because also as a church, you could be associated with such groups, isn't it? Yeah, you could be associated with 
such groups it could it could look as if you're affirming them you're affirming what they are doing so it needs much wisdom yeah i think i think it's important to say that there are there are places that we cannot go yeah. at all costs mm. um so if say for example we are invited at uh, wars preaching yeah whatever crusade mm. or something like that mm. we are not going to go because we know what they teach mm. we know what they believe yeah if for example we are going to be invited to to preach at a place where we know that they are outrightly teaching mm. things that are contrary to the scriptures Jehovah witness the Mormons the Mormons mm. we can very easily be associated with them yeah and so then because of that we, we will not go let, let us reach them through evangelism mm. let's reach them through other means yeah but uh, not be associated with them because of what they teach and what they hold. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Anything else before we pray? So let's let's pray. Father we thank you this morning for your word and thank you for showing us how indeed we ought to relate with other churches how we can be of practical help how we can also benefit from other churches we pray that you may help us as a church not to look at ourselves not to be sufficient in ourselves instead look outside look to the needs of others look how we can be of help to other churches we pray father that you may grant us much wisdom help us that as we relate to other churches we may bring many to your sheepfold we may seek to bring biblical truths to other churches we give you praise and we honor you for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.